this episode, we're shooting in the lobby of Hotel Trundle. And so you may hear some sounds of uh, hospitality in the background. Today, our guest is Hatesh Talani. Hatesh was um, uh, raised in South Carolina, uh, went to school in South Carolina as an undergraduate, and then later went on to build and scale a company that was transformative in its industry. Now Hatesh has come back to South Carolina and is spending more time here. And he talks to us about ideas and, and things that we need to consider as a state to continue to move into the 21st century and to continue the progress that so many have started uh, from years ago. Check it out. Well, Hatesh, thanks for joining us today on, on Footnotes. Uh, I know you and I met at a, at a luncheon uh, for entrepreneurs and kind of tech companies here in, in the Columbia area. And what struck me was just you know, parts of your story that you were willing to, to share with that group. And so thanks for coming on to, yeah. to Footnotes to um, maybe rehash that for, for a broader audience. Um, so you were born in, and raised in South Carolina, and then you, like a lot of people, you've kind of left and now you've come back. You know, what's it like being back in South Carolina? So I was actually born in West Africa. Oh, okay. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> and uh, came, to, uh, came to South Carolina um, as um, a young child. I actually came to the United States when I was a one-year-old and lived in upstate New York for many years. Um, okay. Came to South Carolina when I was nine. Um, and, you know, South Carolina's home. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, I left for grad school, really never came back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, came back maybe... Um, for 24 to 48 hours, once once a year, maybe once every other year. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, in the pandemic, right? Um, it was actually a wonderful time to take a pause, come back, spend time with family. Um, my mom still lives here and is a little bit older, so I wanted to be around to be helpful during the pandemic. And uh, the you know, South Carolina. There's one thing that always rings true, right? There's beautiful places and smiling faces, right? So uh, that's right. They're in a license plate, yeah. Right, and um, I mean, there's a reason why that's our tagline. Mm-hmm. So it's wonderful to be back, you know, back home. You know, I, I don't think I'm unique in this, right? Like, I've spent more time in South Carolina during this time. Um, I've gone back and forth between here and Boston, mm-hmm. but I realize is that um, I am one of many right now that is reclaiming um, time at home or time in their home state, and so. Um, you know, it's nice to be able to even share that experience with many of my friends who've gone back to Milwaukee or Alabama or whatever, and to like really, you know, feel a a part of a bigger trend, but also, um, you know, realize like what makes us us, mm-hmm. right? So um, it's been it's been very interesting. So along those lines, and I mean, you sort of alluded to it, but what 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 makes South Carolina special for you? Oh, so many things. Well. Just like most of my friends, um, you know, who've gone back home more frequently during the pandemic, um, it's definitely the people, right? Because I have roots here. But for me in particular, South Carolina is super special. Um, as I alluded to, my family came to the United States when I was a one-year-old. And then when I was 13, my father passed away um, very, you know, pretty, pretty suddenly. Mm. And um, when he did, my mom and I actually became illegal aliens in the United States because he was here on business visas. And then when he passed away, wow. um, there was a gap in the immigration system that you know we didn't have an umbrella to kind of correct that, um, that status after he passed away. And about 50 kids every year fall into this, fell at that time into this gap. And um, there was just no recourse. And so um, my mom, a very um, you know, high integrity Indian woman with a lot of pride said, I didn't do anything wrong, right? And um, 
She really wanted to go through the process of correcting it. And, you know, um, as a, you know, um, as soon as she found out, so actually my father passed away when I was 13. When I was 14, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. And, you know, at 15, we found out that his death had, you know, disrupted our status. And as soon as she found out, she put me in a car, drove down to immigration services and said, this is what's happened. How do I fix this? Mm. And most people told her not to do that. And we were immediately put into deportation proceedings. Wow, because you're really raising your hand to say we are breaking the law. Well, not on purpose, but... Well, it's not that you're breaking the law. I think that has a connotation of, um, you know, of purposefulness. Mm-hmm. It's that the law is not congruent to this situation. Mm-hmm. It's probably a better way of putting it. Sure. Um, and so immediately drove down there and they put us in the deportation proceedings. And the state of South Carolina um, really recognized the gap here. Okay. Hmm. Now, I now live in Boston, and when I tell people I'm from South Carolina, they have certain connotations. And I say, no, let me tell you, the DREAM Act is based on a few major cases in the United States, and mine is one of them, and it was championed by South Carolinians. It was Senator Strom Thurmond's last bill in Congress, um, and Senator Hollings picked it up after he passed away, and Senator Hollings championed it through both Congress and the judicial system. setting precedent through the appellate court system um, for this case. And so what happened in South Carolina catalyzed a national campaign and a national story that was printed all over the country, but internationally as well. There's papers in France and Japan and India and you know, Brazil that printed the story. And, you know, I'm a pure product of South Carolina. Um, you know, I've lived a pretty successful, like, wonderful life, and, you know, I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for the people of this state. You know, another reason why South Carolina is so special for me is, you know, I almost didn't get to go to college. Um, I, you know, I went to Irmo High School, I graduated at the top of my class, um, and, you know, I was accepted to some of the finest schools in America, right, the Ivy Leagues, the, you know, mm-hmm. the top-tier schools. But because of this, you know, immigration status, I almost didn't get to go. And Wofford College um, became America's first sanctuary school by allowing me to come and um, gave me the opportunity. What's a sanctuary school? Oh, great. Um, Great question. A sanctuary school is a school that um, allows dreamers um, to matriculate and finds a way for them to go. Okay. Um, Dreamers are actually, you know, a huge asset to the country to some degree because they, um, you know, they live here, they're Americans, right? And they're, um, you know, great, um, you know, they're... They're actually essentially, um, you know, what America is based off of, right? Like human capital that is like smart, hardworking, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they aren't able to go to college, they actually don't become, you know, progr- um, productive taxpayers that add to sure. know, add to the sure. system. So Wofford allowed you to to go to college Correct. there because of your immigration status. Exactly. And so what happened from that point? Right. So, um, you know, I left South Carolina for grad school mm-hmm. and, you know, life started happening and, you know, eventually settled, you know, up in Boston. And, you know, 15 years later, I'm, you know, back in the Carolinas and this is the most amount of time I've spent here. And what's interesting to see is when I run into friends, you know, they say, like, aren't you impressed by all the growth and development in South Carolina? Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, growth and development is relative depending on what you see and, like, 
like how you measure it. That's fair. I definitely think that there's been a lot of like, you know, growth and development in terms of businesses, housing, um, you know, just um, you know, consumption society, mm-hmm. um, hospital systems, sort et of cetera. things you can see. Correct. Right. Yeah. But unfortunately, what I realize as I drive around and look at South Carolina is that the opportunities that I've had, right, um, don't exist in South Carolina. And they are, you know, the opportunities for careers and, um, you know, jobs of the future are limited. Mm-hmm. And so South Carolina has doubled down in the past 15 years on consumption society. I mean, take for example, today South Carolinians probably use things like Google, Facebook, Uber, you know, Grubhub, Venmo, right? Mm-hmm. FinTech, like all those things. Sure. Right? PayPal. PayPal. I mean, there's a number of these things. How many of those products are actually, South, you know, even come close to being in South Carolina mm-hmm. that are headquartered in South Carolina? Right. And so we do not have jobs of the future. So what this essentially does is that we in South Carolina from, you know, as I have been noticing this, I've also learned that we're in the top 10 for IQ export. And that's according to the um, Joint Economic Committee of the U.S. Congress. Mm-hmm. Now, I think I understand what IQ <clears throat> export is, mm-hmm. but is it what it sounds like where people that everyone has an IQ, but high IQ people leave South Carolina? Yeah, so... It doesn't mean that we're bringing them in. Correct. So South Carolina actually has wonderful schools and we're using our tax dollars to educate really smart people. Mm-hmm. But because they don't have the opportunities that they can you know, really meet their potential in South Carolina, they leave. So for example, um, from my understanding, the Darla Moore School of Business is in the top 50-ish business schools in the country. Sure. But for the past few years, they have been able to retain very few to zero people to stay in South Carolina after mm-hmm. graduation. And so that's once again an example of South Carolina tax dollars going to educate really wonderful, wonderful people who are then enriching other states and we're losing those people. Mm-hmm. And I am one of those, pro- I'm a product of that, right? So. But but now it, it seems like your your interest in South Carolina has, has been renewed and whether it was from, from the pandemic or whatever circumstances, but what's driving that renewed interest from you in, in our state? Mm. I'm still based in Boston, right? And the pandemic has allowed me to come home more frequently. And it's this idea of being with family, right? It's this idea of, um, you know, being able to work from anywhere. And if I'm gonna be able to work from anywhere and be close to family, then it's gonna be in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And because that's who I am, mm-hmm. right? And so, then, and so then the question becomes is, how, how do I enrich the state that made my career possible? Mm-hmm. And what can be brought back here, right? Um, and so that's really my interest. Um, I've said many times, and I genuinely mean it, that I'm a product of the generosity of this state. And so if you have the opportunity in life to pay it forward, Right. Um, you should always you should always seize it, and I think that's where my interest lies. Is um, you know, is there opportunity to you know put some of the jobs that you know I've hired for in the past, or um, you know bring some of the business opportunities that you know I've created to South Carolina? Mm-hmm. And I think that this reclaiming of the diaspora is actually something that South Carolina could focus on. Hmm. In other words, reclaiming of, of all the students and, and, and sort of intellectual capital that we've helped create in the state. Correct. It gets dispersed to where quote unquote opportunities are. Correct. Which really mean jobs, a place to get a start. Mm. 
How, in your mind, how does South Carolina create more places for people to get a start? I actually think that this can be broken into like three focus areas, okay? Okay. And each focus area actually, you know, comes from leadership at the top and is pushed down. All right. Governmental leadership? What type of leadership? It's, I mean, it's, look, like leadership needs to be cohesive in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. But it is government, business, you know, community, and then it gets pushed down and, you know, spreads out. And the three focus areas, right, are A, cohesiveness, B, attracting, retaining, and drawing back talent, right? And three, um, assessing, um, you know, national like need and trend and seeing how South Carolina fits into that. Mm-hmm. So in terms of cohesiveness, right, um, currently South Carolina is four states in one. And that's how okay. South Carolina operates, right? You have Greenville, Spartanburg, mm-hmm. right? Columbia, Charleston, and everything else. And okay. the way it works, you know, from what I'm seeing very quickly is that Greenville, Spartanburg competes with Columbia, who competes with Charleston, and Greenville, Spartanburg then even competes within each other, right? Mm-hmm. And then everyone else is just kind of, you know, left. Everyone else. Everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so really, um, Instead of thinking of you know uh, three separate cities, right, South Carolina, actually, which only has a population of five million, and economic development really starts rolling when you have a population of about nine million. Okay, um, South Carolina should be thinking of itself as one South Carolina. Yeah, I remember in the lunch we had, you, you brought out the fact that the Atlanta area MSA, you know, for census purposes, has over six million people versus our entire state Correct. that has 5 million people. Correct. And so here you in that 5 million, you have a mix of people who, you know, are, you know, going to be, you know, going to want to be um, scientists and computer programmers and so forth, and people who want to be in manufacturing and then the service, you know, industry. But all of them collectively need to, you know, come together to move the state forward. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the state should focus on how do we bring opportunities and companies to the state no matter where they go? Because rising tides lift all ships. Mm-hmm. Successful companies, successful jobs will retain South Carolinians. They will draw more people to the state, right? Um, Tennessee has actually done this phenomenally well. They have this hmm. um, they have this program called Launch Tennessee, which actually has you know, generated billions of dollars in revenue. And, um, you know, it's a sense of cohesiveness, right? And um, that is not in South Carolina. And so one of the things that you know really needs to be focused on is the concept of one South Carolina. The second thing is something that we've already alluded to is attracting, retaining, and drawing back talent. <clears throat> in terms of um, you know um, opportunities in South Carolina and drawing in more companies and you know creating those um, jobs of the future, um, you know, there really should be incentives to have graduates stay here, right? Mm-hmm. There really should be incentives um, to <clears throat> capture the remote workers as they're moving around the country right mm-hmm. now. We have literally, you know, beautiful places and smiling faces. I mean, once you leave and you come back, you appreciate that more, yeah. right? You really understand what that license plate means, Sure. okay? And so um, we have, you know, um, an asset and just the natural beauty of South Carolina, the mountains, the beaches, um, the lifestyle, the weather to retain, sorry, attract remote talent. Cities like Tulsa are currently doing this where they're 
paying um, remote workers $10,000 to come settle in Tulsa. Um, states like Virginia are doing this. Meaning they will give cash payments to people. Correct. They're basically paying you to move there. Correct. To use the internet to work. Exactly. <laughs> however, however, the research shows, right, coming out of Harvard Business School, that in the first year, right, just the, um, just the, you know, taxes and so forth that these, you know, people generate, right, and how they are spending, right, really like recoups a large part of just that ten thousand. But then, you know, incentivizing, you can actually be a little bit, you know, a little bit smarter, right? Or iterate on that model. Um, but to make it more sticky, right? You actually help those people, um, you know, settle down, buy, buy homes and, you know, get settled in South Carolina. And those types of, you know, attracting talent is an opportunity, you know, for us that we should be, you know, seizing on. And then bringing back talent. So... Once someone leaves South Carolina and settles somewhere else, it may be difficult to bring them back. Okay, like I'm very settled in Boston, right? Um, but I can come back more frequently. And so take, for example, there's probably hundreds of me, right? Like mm-hmm. hundreds of me, thousands of me. Um, some may be VPs at Google or VPs at, you know, insert big company, right? Bain, BCG, McKinsey, who knows, right? Sure. And there's a lot of remote workers right now. And if that's, if this person is leading a team of, say, 200, and Google has said, you know, 20% of your team has to be remote, could you hire those in South Carolina, which gives you the opportunity to come back more frequently, mm-hmm. right? So how do you re-engage the diaspora, right? And ask them, hey, um, we would love to, you know, work with you to bring you back more often. Um, or maybe incentivize them through some of these, you know, programs to resettle in South Carolina. And so I think that's a huge focus area that we should be focused on right now. Mm-hmm. And then, so the, yeah, the third uh, jobs of tomorrow or future, future jobs, right? You know, this is the you know the trends, and I've mm-hmm. already spoken about some of them, but these can actually be divided into you know three sub focus areas. Okay. Right. Um, one is um, the whole country right now is looking at you know innovation and entrepreneurship. Actually, the greatest um, economic opportunity over the past few years, billions of dollars of economic opportunity have actually come from new companies because every industry is being disrupted. So mm-hmm. for example, Amazon, Netflix, right? Um, Tesla. And these are coming from, you know, innovative, you know, entrepreneurs and, you know, people who are um, young and are moving to some, what's called winner take all states, right? Because mm-hmm. they have the infrastructure such as California, New York, um, Massachusetts, right? Mm-hmm. Washington to some degree. It's actually remarkable because South Carolina is phenomenally poised to enter into this world and be a winner and potentially be a winner-take-all state for certain sectors. We are the second largest port on the East Coast outside of New York. We actually are the largest generic pharmaceutical maker um, in the United States. Wow, okay. We are a... Um, automotive leader. We are a, um, you know, aerospace leader. And there's a number of these other industries that we have um, a hold on, okay? Most of the most of the um, presence of that, right, is in the manufacturing sector or, um, you know, that mid-tier um, job, right? Sure. Opportunity. But um, every one of these industries is currently in flux. And so, for example, 
the logistics um, business, right, the port business, is actually introducing things like robotics and machine learning and AI. Well, there's there are companies trying to break down the doors of the New York ports, game, you know, asking them, can we pilot with you? Can we work with you? Um, in Boston, you have healthcare companies trying to knock on the doors of, you know, um, you know, the Brigham and Women's in you know, Mass General Hospital saying, we want to pilot with you. But NPR recently did a story about the phenomenal, um, you know, preventative medicine infrastructure in South Carolina and how robust it really is, okay? Can't we say, hey, companies who are trying to come, you know, go pilot with the other, other institutions, we welcome you to South Carolina mm-hmm. uh, and then we will help you scale. Do you think that there's an advantage, uh, you know, we talked about population differences, but do you think there's an advantage for a company locating to somewhere where the entire state has the population of a large city? And that, you know, if you're centrally located, say in Columbia, and you're 100 miles from the coast and 100 miles from basically any of the state's borders, right. how does, how does um, size, geographic area, and population, how can we turn that into a strength? So I think the, you know, the fact that you can work, work remotely now, right, is something that we need to leverage. And what you can actually do is say, if you place yourself in South Carolina, here are the assets that we can provide you to grow, right? Um, you know, we have, act, you know, we do have Clemson, USC, the Citadel, like wonderful schools. And because, because we are small and one South Carolina, we can actually help you recruit and retain here. And because of some of the programs that we have, right, that will, you know, allow you to recruit remote workers here, you can actually incentivize them through these programs, right? And use every asset that we have to help these companies grow. Um, And these companies can, obviously, if they headquarter here, hire, you know, remotely in in other places. But that the state is focused on helping you, you know, attract talent through our, you know, basically our pipeline, which is leaving. Right, but also through programs that are in place to you know naturally um, attract talent in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there's a lot of assets that are being either not utilized at all or super underutilized. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a transplant. Uh, I'm from North Carolina, but right. I got moved here for my very first job, and so most of my adult career has has been here in the state. And I've chosen to live here now that we have a business here that we started on purpose and in in this city and. Just as an outside observer, I've noticed coming from North Carolina, the the North Carolina uh, public university system is aligned. All 16 campuses are governed by one large board. Uh, the individual campuses have their own you know, board of regents and things like that. But um, do you think that that it's a, a, a drawback that even in a small state like ours, every public institution sort of operates independently? Do you think there's, there's um, if we created more of a network, more of a joining of forces that that could help? So it's not that I only think this, right? I mean, there's examples and studies that show this, mm-hmm. right? Um, look, like a engineer at Clemson, right, may have an idea, right, that needs a logistics person from the Citadel, who needs a business person from um, the Darla Moore School. And we don't have the populations in this state, right, to really just try to focus, you know, inwardly on, you know, that that location, that area. Mm-hmm. And to really by, you know, co-networking, um, you know, schools and organizations together is really this concept of one South Carolina. Um, rising tides lift all ships, right? And mm-hmm. I think that's the major theme that whether it's from 
government, whether it's from industry, whether it's from the you know academia, which is what you need to see. And and there's numerous examples of this all around the country. Um, but when you have you know that cohesiveness, you really work together to move the goal forward. You know, to sorry, to you know, to, to to roll the ball forward. Um, but you know, the sub bucket right of you know innovation and entrepreneurship and leveraging leveraging the state's assets the existing industries to bring in you know in jobs of the future mm-hmm. is something that we are not you know necessarily doing well the reason why i say that is that there's programs in place that check off the box on the surface but the question is what is their outcome how how much have they really delivered and especially delivered when compared on a national level or mm-hmm. to peer states like you know maybe tennessee or um, you know Georgia or whatever, and I think that you know when you dig into that, you see that you know we have a major discrepancy. Yeah, sort of. There, there can be, a, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but again, an observation that I've had is there's sort of this veneer of cohesiveness, but that veneer is very, very thin, and you just kind of puncture the surface, and you really see what's there. I've, I've just been amazed that in such a small state. A, such a small state can be so fractured, like you described. You know, there's the three big cities and everyone else. Right. Um, one, maybe one last thing, and I'm just curious in the way that you you sort of section this out of the three large cities and then everyone else. What do you say to the leaders? You know, the education leaders, the government leaders, the business leaders in the everyone else section of South Carolina. What 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 do you say to them to? Um, not even as a prescription, but just as, as encouragement, as an idea, as something to help get things started and to start this movement. What, what would you have to say to them? And I'm going to go back to this idea of rising tides lift all ships. The fragmentation of Greenville, Spartanburg, Greenville, Spartanburg, Columbia, and Charleston, mm-hmm. but then shockingly when you micro-focus in, mm-hmm. even between Greenville and Spartanburg, so when you look at this whole trend, right, and you from afar either read or speak to people in South Carolina leadership, you understand how fragmented that is as well, right? And um, I think that leaders leaders need to lead, right? They need to be thinking, um, you know, leaders eat last, right? Um, leaders... Um, well, that's what I've heard, but I think sometimes we see differently. Right. Leaders eat last, right? And if your team is successful, right? Mm -hmm. If your people are thriving, right? Your state thrives, right? And you thrive as a leader, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think um, leaders, uh, I think the definition of public servant, right? Needs to be refocused on, right? Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, um, I've driven around South Carolina in this past year a lot. And as a public health doctor, what I see is heartbreaking. Mm. Um, Our small towns like McCormick, you know, Allendale, Barnwell, um, you know, those are South Carolinians. And what are the opportunities? They're living in food deserts. And so the concept of public service, right? And um, taking care of your own is something that really needs to be focused on in South Carolina, mm-hmm. which actually brings me, you know, back to the 
two more sub-focus areas, right, is that that particular thing is, um, you know, I was talking about trends and how South Carolina fits into it. Mm. We're actually living in a time where there, we're seeing rays of light of tremendous infrastructure, um, you know, um, resources about to come down the pipeline. Mm-hmm. And how how does South Carolina fit into that? How does South Carolina claim that um, and revitalize right, our towns, um, you know, our small towns? McCormick County, for example, actually has um, coastline on the largest man-made lake east of the Mississippi with beautiful golf courses and 3,000 lots that are available um, for very affordable prices, right? Do you think about remote workers maybe coming to McCormick County where they have broadband internet and the opportunity to, you know, live on such beautiful, you know, landscape and work remotely in South Carolina? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are there, um, you know, community revitalization dollars coming through to revitalize Allendale? Um and I think that, you know, that's something that's super important. Here's this trend. Here's something that the, that the United States is moving towards. Um, and what I see is that the economies of the United States, right, um, technology, on-demand services, jobs of the future, remote working, et cetera, these, these are the conversations that are happening in the United States. And then these are the conversations happening in South Carolina. Mm. And we really need to con- continue having these because they're important to us. But we also need to understand that we need to focus on what's happening. Otherwise, we're going to even get further behind. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, finally, um, you know, if you if you look like all of these things weave together. Sure. But the last thing is social mobility. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a trend in the country um, to, you know, um, provide equity and social mobility. 33 percent of our population is, you know, um, consisting of, you know, um, black and brown populations. And there is opportunity, um, a trend, right? There are resources, right, to help enrich those populations. Rising tides lift all ships. 33% of our population is somewhat invincible, right? How do we enrich those communities? Because the likelihood is, and the numbers are probably off, but not by magnitude, is that 80% of certain spending goes to 20% of the population. And so if you can help lift that 20% up, what does it does what does it do to that 80% of the of the spending? Mm-hmm. And it's enriching that opportunity for social social mobility. I come from an immigrant family. My mom at times didn't have five dollars to go to the grocery store. But today I'm a world famous doctor who built a company that employed hundreds of people across the United States, set precedent for teledentistry in the country, and which is critical during COVID. I'm, you know, I'm an example of what happens when you, you know, give people the opportunity to be educated, move forward. They enrich your own communities, right? They enrich your own country. And I think that we have an asset in our human capital that we are not leveraging. Mm. So that's how I look at that final bucket. Yeah. Well, you shared a lot, and I feel like this is a conversation that could go on for, for hours, and maybe it should uh, at, some other, at some other point. But um, 
personally, I'm all for more of that that you just said, you know, uh, for seeing these things, for, for, for the tide lifting the boats, for us being more aware of ourselves, of us utilizing our, our uh, compact geography and small population uh, to do things, to go further faster, you know, and, and to not let these trends just sort of hit us in the face as if we weren't aware of them. But to but to move toward those things, um, kind of grab the bull by the horns. Yeah. Well, thanks for sitting down and, and sharing this. I hope this conversation, maybe even more than some others that we've had, will will get more conversations started. Right. Um, and so, again, thank you for visiting. Thank yeah, you for thank coming. Thank you for having back. me. And uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks.